This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, I'm so excited to have Corey McGee back on the podcast. The last time she was on the podcast was literally 2021, right after she qualified to the Tokyo Olympics in the 1500. That episode was super cool. We talked a lot about her upbringing and what she's dealt with in the sport. And I feel like that was like her really big, you know, breakout period. And she has been absolutely crushing it ever since. So I'm super excited to have her back on the podcast to catch up. Let's get into it. Right, Corey is back on the podcast. It's been literally two years, I think, which is kind of insane because you've had an insane two years. And so I was like, this is a much needed catch up and you just ran super fast, so. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that was two years ago. It's funny, I think I had just gotten to St. Moritz when we caught up. I was like sitting in my little room in my Airbnb over there um, last time we spoke. And yeah, it's been a little while. <laughs> um, to start off, do you wanna just like tell people if they don't know who you are, just a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I, my name is Corey McGee and I am a professional runner for New Balance. I grew up in Mississippi and went to the University of Florida and now I run for New Balance and race predominantly the 1500 meters or the mile. Um, and I'm a three time member of Team USA. Nice. And yeah, you just ran, what was it? The fourth fastest mile ever or was it the third? I think third outdoor. Okay, really third outdoor. Know. I know that Ellie Purrier ran faster indoor, so I don't really know where I stack up if you take indoor into account. So that's crazy. When yeah. I saw those like those posts, I was like, I actually can't imagine running four eighteen per <laughs> mile. Like I don't even know what that feels like. Did you expect to run that fast? Um. Well, Joe had told me that they were going to have pace lights for potentially like an American record. And I knew there were other Americans in the race who were going to be super competitive. I guess the short answer is yes, but also like, I didn't read too much into the time. Like previous to that, the fastest I had run the mile was 421. And that was like during COVID when it just sort of was like glorified practice. So I knew I could run like 420. Um, so yeah, I wasn't like super intimidated by the time, but I also like, it's kind of like anything, like you're going into the unknown and I was just prepared for, I mean, I thought I could do it, but also it's a risk like going out that fast and trying it. 
yeah, I guess I, I'm kind of curious, just like taking us through the laps. I you know, I sound like such a running nerd. Like usually I'm not the one on the podcast to like ask about like the details of a race. But since I did run the 1500 way back in the day, like I am curious, like when you were running, I guess like how did each lap feel? Yeah. So the first lap was surprisingly controlled because I think I, I think I went through in like 62 and obviously that's quick. Like I don't, go to practice and run 62s all the time. Like I run 200s at that pace and I run 300s at that pace, but like going through the first lap in 62 is still like a, all right, like we're really doing this. And so like, I'm prepared for something low sixties, like as the race builds, but like getting out in 62 is kind of like where I have to be now to compete with like the women that I'm racing against. So got out in 62, like that's the only time I saw the clock. Like I saw that and I was like, I feel okay. Like we're good. And, um, I think it helped that I was just like very prepared to, I mean, you were teammates with Jess Hole, like, you know, how she's just a very smooth, like smart runner. So I was like, okay, if I can just tuck behind Jess, like she gets in a good spot. And that was sort of like my game plan going into it. Um, so the first lap was like, just get behind Jess and, also, the mile is different because you get out, you start on the turn. So you do have to kind of like get off the line in order to not get in all the mess. So that was like my only two thoughts the first lap. And then second and third lap are, I'm sure you know how it goes. Like some of your best races, the middle of the race is a blur. Like I don't remember a ton from the second or third lap because I was just on the rail. And I was just telling myself like, you're in such a good spot. Like you're on the rail. Everyone else is trying to get on the rail. Like I just was holding my ground, not letting anyone cut in on me. There were a few times where women came up on my shoulder and I could sense that they wanted to like cut in. And I just like kept my composure, didn't let anybody cut me off. Um, And then, yeah, fourth lap, I, I have a tendency to get a little bit impatient. And I was like about to just like full send at 300 to go. And I was like wait, like for once in your life, wait. (laughs) So I waited until like 150 to go and kind of like got a little momentum behind me and was able to finish strong. So I feel like the race itself, like it was very non-dramatic, which is a good thing. I mean, I feel like that's the best way to run a fast time is is that's the only way to run a fast time if it's not dramatic. Yeah. Just no nonsense, nothing that was stressful. Like no point in the race did I have to like you know, bring my elbow up and like tell someone to kind of like get off. And it just was like a super smooth race. Um, Obviously it was a good field, but I feel like there were a couple key players that weren't right in the front that often like when say the field has like, I don't know, eight women who are running like 350 mid in the 1500 that could impact a race like that where, uh, and you know, obviously I need to learn how to do what I did with that, but I feel like one thing that made this race possible was that it wasn't super, super cluttered at the front. And I was able to like have a little room to run. Um, Cause it just like, we got in line pretty quickly. Uh, and that makes for exactly like that makes for a fast 15 or fast mile. I feel like that's so ideal right now too, because it's like now you have the confidence that you ran a fast mile and then, you know, the races now moving forward are going to be probably extremely chaotic, just due to the nature (laughs) of the qualifying rounds and stuff. Like, the elbows will be getting thrown, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, and it'll be, like, a lot of tactical racing, so I feel like that probably feels good to, like, at least, you know, get a really good time under your belt and, like, have a very smooth race that's no drama. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a huge confidence build because that's just, like, 
often you can go a whole year and not get a race like that. And you can tell yourself like, I know I'm ready for X, Y, Z, but like, if you haven't done it, it doesn't really matter. So I feel like that it's just nice to have a race where you're like, okay, that like speaks to where I'm at this year. Like, you know, if all else fails, like at least I have something that makes me feel like the work was like, I could show a little something for it. So that's a really good feeling. It takes some pressure off. Like you're not just trying to go out and like force a time. You can just race. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, I don't know, races like that, the stars kind of have to align. Cause it's like, you obviously have to feel good enough to like be able to run that time. And the race has to be executed. Well, like, like you said, everyone gets into a line. So it, like you said, there's a lot of people that go years without getting a good time like that because I don't know, the stars don't align on the day, but it seems like a lot of, I mean, Jess, you and Nikki, everyone seemed to be crushing it on that front. So that was nice. Definitely. Yeah, it was super cool. Like, I mean, again, Jess is super dependable as a racer. And then I feel like Nikki getting in the race and having the opportunity, it all just worked out. Like everyone had a different path to it, but it just worked out really well. So um, it was good. What's like the difference, I guess, I don't know, a bad, a bad race or a race, a race where you feel bad and a race like that, where, you know, everything was going well and you felt good. Oh my gosh. I was just talking to, um, Aisha and Will, uh, about that on my run this morning. And I was saying how like my Doha race was an opener. So like you kind of expect it to not feel awesome, but that was like one of the hardest races I've ever run. Cause I was just so like, I don't know, I ran 406 and like that's fine for an opener. Like I wasn't super disappointed, but it just felt like I was working like from the first step. And I feel like a lot of times that is like, just for me, I think it's like just where I put myself early in the race. Cause instead of like getting up there and like feeling competitive, if I'm like out the back, I'm just like watching the race unfold. And that's happened to me a few times, like Melrose 2022, 2022, I think. So not this past indoor season, the one before I got like, I was like racing for last. It was awful. (laughs) I love the dramatic ones where it's like, like it just is so much more dramatic than a race that you feel good. You just feel like everyone's staring at you too. It's like the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. And so like those ones really stick with you, but I would say like that race is a good example where I was like just fighting for my life and Doha wasn't quite that extreme, but I was like, just never in the race like when you're just watching people do exactly what you want to do and like they're on the pace that like you believe you're in shape to run but like it's not quite hitting that day those races are just like they just go by in slow motion (laughs) so that that I would say just even the start of the race like the warm-up might go great like you might feel awesome on your strides and then the gun goes off and you're just like you watch everyone and then like it just you're happen. a spectator at that point yeah it's like the race is happening to you instead of like you like taking control of the race so anyway those are the ones that um I would say I probably have like one of those a year that's like pretty exaggerated and then I get it out of the way and I'm like okay let me not do that again but <laughs> I think it like comes down to the start for me and then where my head is at like I start thinking too much or something yeah like looking at the time like wondering if I'm really off pace just a bunch of stupid stuff running is kind of funny I feel like that's what I mean I haven't raced in forever but like when I was competing on the track like what would be what would make me so nervous is that yeah like you said the warm-up could feel fine but like you don't really know how your legs are going to feel most of the time until like lap one or even lap two like yeah. sometimes sometimes yeah. lap one goes fine and then lap two you're like 
<laughs> and then again, the race, like you said, it starts happening to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can only hope it's one of those where, you know, everything's going by quickly instead of it start, yeah. just starting, someone presses the slow-mo button. Exactly. Like it, it's only four something minutes. Like you're like, how did that feel like an entire movie? Like, why did that go by so slowly? But it's true. Yeah. It's like, um, the, the good days, the ones that are like clicking, just, it's like a blur and it, well, at least from my experience, they just always feel like I look back and I'm like, I can't even really tell you much about it. Like I'll have like one moment of memory from the race, like where I like checked in with myself. But other than that, I'm just like in the zone. Um, which I'm sure there's like so much research on that. It's like, what, it, what was it called? It's like when people are in their flow state or whatever, it's pretty much that. So anyway, that's a good feeling when that happens. It is. I feel like almost and then you finish the race and you're like, that wasn't even hard either. A lot of the time, exactly. maybe I just don't, I haven't pushed myself hard enough, but it's like no, the dramatic so ones when you run 10 seconds slower than you should be running. Like I, like you never feel worse. Like you finish and you're like, that was the most traumatic, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Then you run the best time ever. Mm-hmm. Obviously like you push yourself, but then you finish you're like, I could do that all over again. I don't I even remember the pain. A hundred percent. Yeah. That was like, that's exactly it. That's when, you know, like you were right where you were meant to be. Like it just, yeah, it feels good. It's like the right type of pain, the right type of effort. So fully agree. I just love running because like you get so few of those moments in <laughs> in a year or in like a running career where you just feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever, that's what everyone works towards every single day. <laughs> yep. We're chasing it, but it's true. It doesn't happen very often. You're like, let me savor this, but it's definitely few and far between. Um, but it is a good feeling. It's definitely worth it. So how do you recover then from like, I don't know, your Doha experience? How do you, uh, I guess mentally get over that and like believe in yourself that you can actually, uh, run where you want to be? Honestly, I feel like there's like a variety of techniques and, one go-to I would say is like I just lie to myself but I'm like I fully believe myself when I'm lying to myself and like I just do this like ultimate mind game on my own conscience like I'll see I'll think about the race and be like that was so funny and that's like hilarious that you did that (laughs) like gaslighting yourself yeah I'll like tell myself that it was like just so not me and like I feel like I've been that way for a really long time which I don't know it's worked so I just like keep doing it but if I have the worst workout the worst race I'll just be like you like you were trying but like you were you actually like I'll just tell myself stuff to kind of like give myself an excuse out of it and I'll be like yeah that wasn't even like that was just hilarious and like a huge joke and like then I'll go back and like redo because I'll tell like I'll really convince myself that it was just like somehow not like I'm giving myself an out but I'll blame something that's totally in my control I'll be like you totally messed up this in the race and like that's exactly why it happened and like I know good and well that's not true but I tell myself it enough to where I start to believe this narrative and I feel like it's a kind of like a little superpower because then I can line up and like sometimes do the same exact thing again and still be like haha that was so funny that you did that again like again like I just don't take myself seriously when I mess up which it's hard to explain but like that's my technique a lot of times um which isn't that complex it's more just like a mind game and it seems to like usually 
make me feel better about myself after I do something badly. I'll be like, you know, I can recover from that because it's not personal. So I feel like that's one way. And then, I mean, I think that's really it. Just kind of like moving on, moving on really quickly and being like, that was stupid. And that was weird and not you. And then writing it off. Um, Cause I feel like so often, especially like as runners, we're so hard on ourselves. And like, if you have a bad race and you sit there and you like meditate on it and you think about it for days and days, then it does lead into like workouts and your next race. And you take it personally. You, part, you like think it's part of your identity, think you're going to have a bad season. And I'm just like, I'm just going to brush it off and like laugh at that and not think about it and not let it guide the rest of my season. So I don't know. <laughs> it's not that it's not that insightful, but it somehow works. I mean, I think you speak to a lot of people. I think the the best runners that I know are like master um like self gaslighters because that's like <laughs> such a key thing. Like obviously you have to be good at running, you have to be fit, whatever. But to be able to get over the bad races, like people have a really really hard time with that. And it's like you're yeah. you're, you're not going to have a good race every single time that you go out there. And the best runners that I know they're so consistent because they do whatever you said, like the gaslighting, you know, self-manipulation yeah. technique where it's like, so true. <laughs> you can just brush it off. It's one of like the best traits I think that you can have as any athlete, not even like just running, but yeah. just being able to brush it off and like start fresh when you're on like the line the next time makes such a big difference. Cause if you go into the next race thinking the same thing or just thinking that you suck, like, of course it's going to go poorly, especially when in such a mentally tough like sport like running like you have to be on your game mm -hmm. or else it's just going to go downhill immediately from the start you're never going to feel good yeah yeah I mean the second that you take a bad performance personally it's like you're just setting yourself up because at the end of the day every race is different like we all are going to make mistakes like there's so many things going on in every race that like you can't be perfect every time but like if you can kind of just like I don't know when you make a stupid mistake like not think that it's like going to define the rest of like it doesn't have anything to do with how hard you've been training like sometimes you just mess up like tactically or sometimes you just aren't quite prepared for whatever like was thrown at you that day it's true you just kind of have to be able to work through each of those things individually and like not make them more like don't make it bigger than it is like just let it be what it is and like move on yeah um and of course that ties into like so much other stuff. Like you have to have self-belief and you have to like, that's something that takes a lot of energy and you have to work on that and you have to protect it. I feel like that's really important as a runner and, or like genuinely just as a person in life, like you have to like be kind to yourself. And I don't think that I could do that technique if I didn't like, if I wasn't kind to myself, I feel like that's a big part of it. Like I can laugh at myself because I'm like, you work so hard and you care so much and like, you're going to try your best. So obviously that's like the foundation. And then you can like go into all that other stuff. That's like self-protecting because you don't like tell yourself that you suck. Like when I hear people being like, I suck, I'm an idiot. I'm like, you should really work on that. <laughs> that's not going to help you. So anyway, I mean, I feel like that's why mental health is such a big thing. Like you, you can't have good performances if your mental health is trash because it bleeds into everything. Yeah. Like you said, like yeah. it's so much more than it, than just when you're racing or when you're, I don't know, training or anything. It's just in general life. Like if you wake up every day and you don't like yourself, like there's just no way you're going to be able to perform your best because it bleeds into every area. Yeah. 
and like what we do is so hard that if you're already feeling down I don't know it's just so much harder to like I mean I've been there I've been there where I've like been questioning my performance for like years at a time and like I still had like a deep self-belief but I was definitely lining up like a little bit like I don't think I'm I don't think I'm good enough to like do what my goal is and like that affects everything like that affects training that affects racing that affects literally how you go like you just you can't pour your whole self into it so yeah you have to prioritize that for sure because that's like the bottom line um that's super like all your cards are on the table mid-race like you can't you can't fake that it's just way too complicated and like difficult to fake it in that moment yeah you definitely can't fake it when you're in like extreme pain there's just no way that you can fake how you like truly feel it just like comes out there so Also, I think, like, with the, you know, gas, self-gaslighting and stuff, I think you can practice too, with, like, training. Like, during, like, like workouts, I feel like you kind of have to do that a lot of the time, too, where, you know, maybe you're not feeling the best, but you have to, like, trick yourself. You're like, okay, just one more rep, or, like, yeah. I just have to get to this light pole, and then I can have a little rest. Like, it's, or you're like, I feel good. I feel, you breathe, and you'll feel better. Like, you just have to, like, it's all just self it's like positive talk, I guess, but it's more just like really trying to convince some part of your brain to not explode. Yeah. And then there's the other part of your brain that is like doing the negative, like trying to, trying to like infiltrate that part. Screaming at you. Yeah. And it's like, you don't even have to do this. Like it doesn't even like. Yeah. Or like if you're you're in a race and it's going bad, you're like, step off, step off, step off right now. I'm telling you though. I would say like 25% of my races, even as a pro, the first lap, I'll like look to the infield and be like, it'd be so funny if I stopped. <laughs> I think every, I think it's such a common thing. Like, I think everyone thinks that. The devil, like, it's like this negative thing in your head is like, imagine if you did that. And then I'm like, why are you thinking about yeah, something? Exactly. You have to like something else in your brain. The other side has to like slap it around and be like, no, you feel great. You feel good. You love doing this. <laughs> but like again if your mental health is bad then it's like you don't even have the other part that's like battling that it's like maybe I will yeah the other part is saying yeah that's fine like no one cares yeah it's crazy I mean I'm glad that I've like silenced that side pretty well but there is still there's still moments like even at the pro level we have like negative thoughts you know and like sometimes I kind of have to like go there for a split second like even before the race like what's the worst thing that can happen okay I don't finish like I fall I like I hurt myself like I do let my I get last like I do let my mind think about that for a split second and then I go back to that same technique of being like that's so funny to think about because that's like so not you and you definitely won't like yeah I just again gaslighting myself making fun of myself laughing at my own (laughs) like it's just such mental warfare um (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. Mental running is <laughs> mental warfare. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy that like the good guys are winning right now. Like in my head, the good guys are like definitely winning, but <laughs> it's still, you know, <laughs> it's a war zone regardless. <laughs> it is, but <clears throat> that's what, you know, just trying to work on it a little bit every day. Um, but yeah, it is funny, especially like, it made me laugh thinking about the, just one more rep because like even easy runs sometimes I'm like, you can just go out for like, I know I'm telling myself a lie. If I have an eight mile run, I'll be like, you just will go do five. And then like, I know I'm not going to, I'm going to do eight, but it's just, sometimes you got to tell yourself that. 
I think anyone listening to this that like isn't a competitive runner is going to think that we're insane. It's so hard to like explain to people what running is, but I relate so hard. And I think, I mean, a lot of people listening to this will relate hard as well, but it, we sound insane. Yeah. Like this is, this yeah. sport is so weird and so different than other sports. I'm just like, you don't get it. People don't get it. <laughs> yeah. It has more layers. I feel like of, um, just like, just like an individual, uh, pursuit. Like you're just working through that in your own mind. And like, it's totally unspoken. Like, I don't know if any of my teammates are feeling that way from day to day. We talk about so much personal stuff, but I'm never like, did you tell yourself you were only going to run five miles today? And now we're running seven. Like we never go there. And like, rightfully so, like it's, we're trying to be positive and work together and stuff. But like, I think it is funny to know that like, I'm not, I, I don't speak for every pro, but like, I definitely have moments like that and running is my job and I love to run and I'm paid to run. And like, you know, there's absolutely no reason for me to knock it out the door. And I always do, but I still have like moments of, you know, not wanting to. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's, yeah. There's no way that I feel like every pro runner, regardless if you're getting paid or not, I feel like everyone deals with that where it's like, mm -hmm. there's just days where you don't want to get out the door. Sometimes you just don't feel good. and you. I don't know. You guys yeah. have more pressure on you, obviously, because you have to do it for your job and on center stage or whatever. But I mean, yeah, you say you can't speak for every pro, but I think you can speak for every pro. There's no way. I don't even know one person that I could think of that would maybe want to get out the door every single day. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are. I think there are. Maybe I'm just I mean, too type B or something, but I'm just like, I like to not get out the door sometimes, you know? Um. Yeah, I trend in that direction. And in a lot of ways. So I feel like, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll, I guess like, what are the goals for the rest of the season now? Obviously you have a bit of pressure on you. I mean, you already did have pressure on you. Uh, but after like a good race like that, how are you going to, I guess, approach the next couple races? Yeah. I mean, I would say similarly to the last couple years, um, the women's 1500 in the U S is like, just as competitive as ever. And there are like tons of women that will be really hard to beat. So I just have to like go into USA's like aiming to win. And I've realized like by doing that, if I, if I come up a little bit short, like it's still a great day. So I've just like, I've been really happy about my previous races, but Joe and I, like, even before we left the track that day, we're like, we got to like put that behind us and like, think about what's next. And so, I mean, I feel like I definitely relished in it for a couple of days, but like USA's is always the most important thing to me. Um, so I just like had to pretty quickly, like turn my attention to that and then just like never count anybody out. I feel like that's a huge part of it. Um, so just like try and get through the round. Like the, I guess it's just one this year, like before the final. So try and get through the first round, like as easily and smoothly as possible, which like, again, I was the first one out many times. Like I think two or three times I've been the first one out of the U S final. So like, I always take it very seriously because I know it's like a very small margin. Um, so like just showing up at USA is like ready to race twice and like give it everything. Um, and then hopefully make team USA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I thought it was three rounds. I don't know. I need to look at the schedule again. Um, so the like the trials are three, but um, at USA like for worlds it's only two, which I guess they just let less people in 
on world champs years. I'm not really sure. Would you rather but, have it be three or would, do you like racing twice? I mean, honestly, I'm fine with the three rounds. I kind of like it because it mimics what the Olympics or Worlds are like, like having multiple rounds like that. But I actually, I'm not sure if Worlds has three rounds or not. Wait, last year it definitely did. So yeah, I mean, I like having the three rounds because it like mimics what we're like preparing for. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Obviously, it's nice to not have to like go through it three times. Like it, it does kind of like just, it makes it easier for everybody like, it's not, it, it's already like an expensive trip. It's kind of nice for it to not be like a whole week in Eugene. Like, it's just, I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> Well, you don't want to spend a week in Eugene. <laughs> also, that's like a lot of mental energy to like hype yourself up three times in a row. Like that's kind of yeah. a lot within a couple of days. It is. And like, it's a lot running the 1500 three times. Again, like we have to do that at Worlds and um at the Olympics but like at the same time I feel like in a way it's kind of good to mimic that for the trials and whatnot but I do feel like by the end of last year I had run the 1500 so many times like doing the three rounds at, or doing the multiple rounds at USA's three rounds at Worlds um by the time the season was said and done like I was so tired like and then trying to like get through the Diamond League final and I remember you know, like knowing that I was in shape to run fast, but like after you've raced like 30 times, I was like, like I'm feeling a little bit tired. So, I mean, each one is like mental energy and takes a little bit out of you. So I feel like, yeah, even just having one less at USA's is like a fair amount less willpower and energy and whatnot. So it is kind of a good thing to not have an extra if it's not necessary. Um, but I kind of like racing into the final like that because I think it's fun to like nail down tactics and like really kind of see how everyone's doing and like kind of just get like a vague idea of where your competitors are at. And um, there's a lot of like information that you can get through the rounds. So I like that aspect of it. But again, like I'm totally cool with just two. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. many days are there in between? Just one? Just one. I think we go the sixth and the eighth. Okay. So yeah, the schedule this year, I know, I think I'm on the same day. I think Emma is the same as me. So the steeple just has the two rounds. And then I know the 5k is on the last day. But other than that, I don't, I don't know a ton. Like, I don't know when the 800 is. Um, but yeah, I know the 15 is the sixth and the eighth. Okay, I'll be there in the stands cheering Yay. loud. I'm excited to watch. And I'm well, I was at Worlds last year, too, um, for the 1500. Yeah. Was I there? I don't even remember which rounds I was there for. But um, that final day was – it was so blazing hot. Yeah. That, that entire time was so blazing hot. I'm hoping that Eugene is not supposed to be the same. I have not looked at the weather. Yeah. But... Eugene hasn't been that nice to us with the weather. Like, the trials, I I don't mind when it's hot, but – I can like fully admit that at the trials, I remember I walked outside, I was like waiting to like get a table at a restaurant or whatever. And like, that was the hottest I've, I, I have been like in Mississippi when there's no power, like after hurricanes and stuff, like dead, like dead, like middle of summer, very, very hot. That was the hottest I've ever felt. Like the actual air temperature, like I remember it feeling like it was burning hot. Like the air was on fire. Like it was, it was like 120 degrees. It was insane. 
Is um, this hell? Nope. It's just Eugene <laughs> in the summer. Yeah, it was so hot there. And I remember I was already finished racing at that point. But I think that was when they had one of the distance races and they had to like delay it or whatever. Um, but yeah, scary hot. Like you can't run in this. They should, yeah. So hopefully we don't have any more of that this year because that was actually like some of the hottest weather I've ever experienced. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, looking at the weather recently, I feel like it hasn't been that bad, but I don't know. It seems to turn it up, crank it up a notch and right on your field when there's important races going on. Yeah, at least we have like this sweet under stadium warm up area, um, which we don't get to like go down there and jog or anything, but like we get to go in there and cool off. Like I remember the last couple years, just like once you get down there, you can like have your water and like a cold towel and like you really do like come back down to like normal temperature before you take to the track. So it doesn't feel as shocking. It's not like you're warming up outside and then like pop right onto the track to race. You kind of get a second to like cool off. Yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How do you recover in between rounds? Um, it's funny. I was talking to PJ um, about it yesterday or the day before. Like, I think just trying to get to sleep is like probably the biggest thing. Um, we work out every other day um, pretty often. So I feel like I also have confidence in like that I can do that. 
Um, but yeah, just like a variety of things, making sure. So that I would say one of the biggest things is like often I can't sleep after races. And especially like with Diamond Leagues, I won't be able to sleep because we raced at like 9 p.m. I had espresso at like 8 p.m. <laughs> I'm like wired. After Oslo, I did not sleep a wink. I was like up all night after Robot all nighter. Like, so I just have to be really like smart about what I do before the first round. Like maybe I won't have coffee. Maybe I won't have any caffeine and I'll just like race and then be able to get to sleep because I feel like that's the most important thing after the first round. Um, and like, I'm not someone who drinks a, like a ton of coffee. Like I like it a lot, but um, like when I get an espresso for a race, I probably have like half of it. So I'm like, I know I can like go without, but it's just more the like comfort of like doing the same thing every time. And like, I always get my coffee and like get on the bus. So probably just try and have a little bit less of that so I can like sleep right away. That's kind of rare. I feel like every, um, every runner I know is drinking coffee or taking caffeine pills. A lot yeah. of them. I know. I, I think I am like that, but then I always notice that after the race, my coffee is still full and I'm like, I didn't drink any. And like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like a, it's like, I'm, Again, it's just all a mind game. I'm like, I got so much caffeine in. And then yeah. like, I'm didn't. hyped up. I'm hyped up. You have one sip of um, your black coffee. Yeah. So I don't know. And then I'll have I'll have it before the final. And um, I'll actually like have be hyped up. But I'll try and like not just find a way to sleep after the first round. That's yeah. like definitely a priority. So try and I feel be like a lot of a lot of people have a, a hard time sleeping after racing. Mm -hmm. regardless of the coffee thing or not I don't know what it is maybe it's just like the hard, the the pain is keeping people awake yeah. I don't know but I I've never really had that problem I feel like I'm always just like I just pass out I'm like <laughs> I'm so jealous a great Honestly. or bad day I'm like <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was rooming with Emily Enfield and like she first of all like just the greatest person to room with at meets like so happy such a good attitude um and emily raced the 3k and we got back and like she put her little eye mask on and fell asleep like pretty quickly and i was just sitting there like that's not gonna happen and like three hours went by and i was just like damn it <laughs> like so jealous um but it was fine because then i got to go on a really cool like waterfront run in oslo that i probably wouldn't have done otherwise but that's pretty much what always happens. Like I can't sleep the whole night and then the sun rises and I'm like, I guess I'll go jog before I have to travel. And so I just get it out of the way. Um, but yeah. How do you deal with like traveling? Cause it's a lot of travel, obviously going back and forth from Europe. Yeah. I mean, I would say this trip was the easiest going, but probably the hardest coming back for me. I usually on the way back, like immediately get back on schedule but for some reason, it's what, like almost a week now. And I'm still waking up early, but like normal time for most people, like seven or something. But I usually can sleep until like nine. So I've been waking up really early for me. Um, and then when I go over there, I usually live with Emma. And um, she's just such a routine person that I pretty much am like, all right, I just got to like get on schedule or else I'm going to get left. <laughs> I just like get on schedule because I'm like... I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Like if someone tells me like, you have to be ready at this time, like my body, I'll just figure it out because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like the person that's like late and 
like I just get to, um, <laughs> I don't know. So I feel like I usually can adjust because the people around me are, um, because before I was on this team and I would go over to Europe, I would not get on schedule. I would just like be in my bed at like four in the morning, like on my phone. And I guess that speaks to the fact that I like wasn't running as well, but like, I would just not get on schedule. I would like stay on us time the whole like week or two that I'd be over there. And, um, that was stupid, but I did. I, that's what I always did. I'd be like, oh, I'm just not tired. And so now I like figure out like, depending on the flight, like, should I sleep on the flight? Should I not? And then like, whatever, I just get on schedule faster because I'm around people who I train with and like, they're really good at it. So it helps me like know what to do. But I mean, I say that when I was in Doha again, like that, that meet was really hard because the tri- the time difference is like, I don't even know how many hours, like an insane amount. Actually, it's not as much as you think because they, this is weird, random fact, but like Doha sets their time to be like closer to European time, even though based on like what it should be geographically so that they're like more aligned with like, I don't know what everyone in Europe and America is doing. It's not as big of a time gap as it should be. I didn't probably explain that well, but um, (laughs) all that is to say, I thought that I like wasn't going to be able to adjust at all. And I ended up, I think I was there for like four days total. And I was asleep for like right at 50% of the time that I was there. And that's Uh, like way too much. (laughs) Like every time I was, every time I was left alone, I just fell asleep and I was sleeping like nine or 10 hours at night and then taking like four hour naps. And I was just like knocked out the whole trip. And then I like woke up probably three hours before the race and was like, Oh my God, like I got to go. It's like 6 PM. You're like, shoot, I got to sprint. It was bad. And Joe was kind of worried. He was like, I don't think you ate enough this trip because you were sleeping the whole time. And so that was like a good little test run because I made some mistakes on the Doha trip. Um, So I was able to like do better when I went back over for my other races. Um, But I feel like that's just how it goes. Like season opener, there's always like mistakes. And um, as much as I like to think of myself as experienced, I still make, I still make mistakes and stuff. Um, and a lot of times that has to do with like sleeping and getting on schedule. So don't it's hard to like fight your body and will your body into adjusting like that. Like it's not, it's not really normal hard. to do that. So it's very difficult. And like, then of course you have to ask big things of yourself and you're only there for a few days. And I mean, you're traveling like legitimately halfway around the world. So yeah, it's demanding. I mean, that's why home field advantage is such a real thing. Like having worlds over here last year was it spoke in like the results Americans did so well. And um, I mean, we'll see that again with the Diamond League final, like having it in the US is a giant advantage. Like it makes such a big difference. So yeah, it's definitely difficult sometimes, but you also get used to it. Like you learn tricks of the trade. Like I always sleep with an eye mask and earplugs and like I like <laughs> Emily and I were like clipping the curtains closed so that we could like make sure because it was pretty much daylight the whole time we were in Oslo. So you just have to like figure out stuff to make sure that you're like getting the proper amount of sleep. Yeah. But How also not freak out if it doesn't go right. Like it's both sides. Again, you have to um, gaslight yourself into being like, I'm, I feel amazing <laughs> off of my two hours of sleep. I, my body's never felt better. Yeah. I can perform my best right now. It's true. It's all like a mind game. So 
there's a lot of that. There's a ton of it. <laughs> How was a uh, world last year for you? I mean, it was like, I would say it felt like that was my Olympics in the sense of like my family came and um, I feel like a lot of people felt like it was back to normal, just having, you know, having people in the stands, having friends and family there, like not doing a COVID test every single day of the event. Like, of course, Team USA, we were still out in a hotel, like out of town and we weren't allowed to have guests and stuff, but we were allowed to like, you know, see our families at the track. And since no one was in Tokyo, my whole family came, like my high school coach, some of my friends. So for me, it was like just I was, I was just like so happy the whole time. It was so much fun. Um, the races went well, but also just like having everybody there was really, really special. It's like, I mean, I feel like it's relatable. Like you imagine NCAAs and like, you kind of imagine like having your family there or like you imagine making a team and like your family gets to travel and like go there and support you. So not having that in Tokyo was like, not, it's not, it didn't match the dream that you'd that I'd had for like however many years like I just kind of always figured my parents would be in the stands um but yeah for them to be able to come to worlds was obviously like a, a good you know like all things considered it it definitely made up for some of that sadness um and it was really fun yeah it was like nice because even though it was still it doesn't it didn't feel as like almost like flashy or something like usually worlds being abroad is sort of like makes it feel like even more important even more of a big deal like you're representing the U.S. on the global stage like whatever but I feel like it being in the U.S. um made it feel more casual but at the same time like it was mostly Americans in the stands and like there's a sense of pride associated with that so yeah it was really it was a lot of good stuff. It's also more casual because you had just raced there to qualify. So it's like, how is it really that much different, you know, than yeah. a couple it, weeks totally, prior? Yeah, like you, and again, that comes back to the fact that like there is an advantage having it like around the corner because there's just so much more. Like I knew my routine. I knew where I sat for my warm up. Like I knew where Joe would be like on the track. Like there's just so much stuff that is super familiar and like I knew exactly where I like to get my lunch before the race like there's just so many little things where like do you that. get your lunch I don't know PJ gets it. <laughs> <laughs> he always gets me the same sandwich I guess it's from Panera oh um, okay Panera girly yeah he just like orders me a Panera sandwich and I just sit in my bed and I'm like where is it <laughs> eagerly awaiting your lunch in bed <laughs> yeah so um but yeah, so that's like the routine is just super easy. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to go watch. I love going to Hayward Field now that it's like all redone and stuff. It's like, yeah, very cool. At least I, like, I feel like it makes it, at least that like the new stadium makes it feel more, you know, world-class than. Without a doubt. I mean, the stadium's nuts. I feel like now I can, after like racing so many of the races abroad the last two years, I can like definitely say that stadium is unbelievable. Like compared to pretty much any of the other diamond leagues, like the Zurich stadium is really, really cool. And yeah, there are like big stadiums um, for a lot of those races, but like the, the stadium in Eugene is insane. Like it's so freaking nice. Um, it's funny how it's in Eugene. It's like such a random place in the United States to have it. I mean, obviously not because of the, the history behind the school but like in terms of like if someone's coming abroad and they're like 
we're going to the U.S. to go to a track meet and in Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. I mean, there were so many people last year who had never been to America before. And like, they go straight to Oregon and like drive to Eugene. And I'm like, that's crazy that that's like what you know about. I mean, I guess, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Like, but yeah, the stadium's so nice. Um, I love racing there. Like as much as there's little things about going to Eugene, like five times a year that I'm like, Oh my God, here we go again. But at the same time, I'm like, it's been very good to me. Like I've only had fun, like happy memories. Um, pretty much I would say. Yeah. Well, we got to keep it that way at USA. Yeah. yeah. All good. So it's definitely a fun time. Have you been to Budapest at all before? No, it's so funny. Um, I like thought a lot about Budapest as a kid because my dad worked there often. And so I was always like, dad's in Budapest. And like, I don't know, I've never been. I just like thought about it often as a kid. So I'm excited to go. And like, yeah, I'm hoping that at least like PJ can come or someone in my family. Um, if I make it, obviously, yeah. no assumptions. But like, um, I would, I think I've heard a lot of really cool stuff and like, I've heard that it's, it's a nice place to visit. So it's one of those places, like, I feel like this happens a lot in track where I don't know if I would ever go out of my way to go there, but it would be cool to race there because like, obviously it seems like a cool place to visit, but I'm like, so I, I just feel like it's not like a super popular destination. So yeah, exactly. I feel like, though, because I'm, like, going to Europe with a lot of uh, my friends, whatever, and then we're stopping in Budapest. Like, there's going to be, like, 20 of us there because, I mean, hopefully we know people that are racing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, even just talking to my friends, like, just that don't run, whatever, and they just go, I don't know, have been to Europe. Like, people, a lot more people than I thought have been to Budapest, and they say it's amazing. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. I trust you. Yeah, I really don't know anything about it. So, yeah. um yeah, I think it's exactly that. It's like a good bucket list, like place to go for a race. Um, Cause I probably like, I don't know if I'd ever get to go there. Yeah. So. So yeah. obviously like the goal is to make it there. What are, if you do make it, what's the goal in Budapest? Yeah, I would say I haven't thought about that a ton um, just cause I'm so focused on USAs, but I do know that like, that's part of something I've had to try and work on the last couple of years is like elevating my goals and expectations for myself. Um, Cause for a while I was so stuck on like making the team. And so I still feel that way, but I'm also trying to like think beyond it. And I think last year, like having made the final um, that like elevates my expectations for myself, like making the final is like, if I don't do that, I will be disappointed. So it's like, I want to be, in the world championship final and like compete and do better than I did last time. So I just feel like based on the last few races, if everything like continues the way it's been going, I feel like it's very reasonable for me to like expect to make the final or like aim to make the final. And then like, just honestly be as competitive as possible. Like give myself a chance. Like if it goes the same way as last year, go with the front pack, like not, hold back, not think like, should I cover the gap? Like just, just be competitive. And like, I know the race is going to be fast. I know that it's going to break up. So put myself in the front pack and then like, it's just last so year, last year's world was insane to watch from the stand that 1500, yeah. like actually I, 
my jaw was dropped at some point because <laughs> of the, like the gap between I, I don't know how many people two or three whatever in the three. front yeah yeah three. I was just like what is happening like, it was like the one of the most like bizarre yeah. finals I've ever watched and I was like I don't even know what's going on well and there were so many elements that made it more complicated like the clock was wrong so the clock at 400 said that they had run like uh their first 400 like in like the mid 50s or something completely incorrect or like yeah just something that was like seconds ahead of what they actually were and that's like, probably sure. why my jaw was dropped because i was because and they i mean they did have like a big gap so i was like did they actually do that like, what is this? Yeah, yeah i can't remember what it said exactly but it was incorrect and so a lot of people like even online in person were like oh my god i can't believe that they went out in like 57 and i was like no, that was wrong. Like they still went out in like 60, but like as the second group, then we saw like 61 or two or whatever. And I remember doing math and being like, wait, that means they ran 56. And then like, wait, no, they didn't run 56. The clock's wrong. Like that's in my head during the race. And I, I'm like, that's not ever something that you should have to be thinking about as an athlete. Like they made a mistake with the clock and that, especially at, at, like on that stage, that's really bad. Totally. And I'm not going to say that impacted how I raced. Like, obviously, it is what it is. I'm not saying, like, that it messed up, messed with my head so much that that's why. And I everyone is in the same boat, too. It's not like it's just, like, it was personally happening to you. Exactly. So, but at the same time, it was sort of confusing for a second. Like, wait, how could they have gone out in 56? That means they're going to die. Like, don't chase them down. And then I was like, they couldn't have gone out that fast. Like, that's not right. But there was like a make or break moment, you know, like I'm in eighth or something. I move up to the front of the chase pack and then you see them breaking away and you're like, should I try and do that? And then start to try. And then you're like, I can't catch them. It's too late. And then you end up leading the second pack, like chasing them. Now it's just... That is a super weird race, <laughs> especially, yeah, you just don't expect that. But I mean, that's also just the nature of right now having like the greatest 1500 meter runner ever in the races. Um, you know, it is, there is like a stark, you, you can see, you know, like Faith is running times that like are truly inconceivable for a lot of, I mean, I'm pretty quick at the 15, but like when I see that she's running 349, I'm like, yeah, I mean, realistically, that's very, like, that's, that's a lot faster than I'm ready to run right now. Um, so it's like, you know, you can't, you can't do anything that's too risky, but also like, you don't want to count yourself out. So it's just an interesting, um, it's an interesting time to be like in the race. But I think realistically, like the women who are finishing like second, third, fourth, like, I want to be competitive with those women. and definitely think that like it's time to do that so might have to go with the front pack and just like die into whatever that ends up being <laughs> you know, like I'm really I mean, it's a hard it's a hard decision to make because yeah. it's like you don't really know what the outcome is going to be if you do that mm -hmm. and like especially when you're in the race too it's like how do you make that decision I feel like yeah. it just is going to take I mean it just takes years of experience to be able to make that decision and like be confident in it you know yeah, yeah. um and if you know you can back it up, like if you know you're ready for like, say like mid 350s or something, it's a lot easier to go for that than if you're in like four minute shape 
and they're going out in 60 like that's just a little bit suicidal so anyway it is a strange um it's a strange decision that you have to often make before the race even starts you're like am I gonna go with it today and that was like what Oslo was like whatever happens I'm gonna go with it today um Florence like I kind of missed the boat and I should have like there's just there's there's a few examples in hindsight that I like kick myself a little bit but um yeah gotta start going with it more often (laughs) how do well I guess like how do you make that decision you said before the race starts I mean it just could be I feel like you almost get fed up with yourself a lot of the time where of like being in a certain position where it's like it's kind of like an effort mentality where you're like you know I'm just gonna try it out and see what that's exactly what it is I mean and it's also like risk versus reward like it's not rewarding for me to get eighth at worlds like I mean, sure, I'm not going to ever, like, be unhappy with that, but I'm definitely not going to be, like, I just feel like that's, sorry, someone's at my door dropping off. (laughs) I just, um, but yeah, if I see, like, if I, if I get eight that world, obviously I'm going to be happy, but, like, I'm also going to be, like, why didn't you, like, give it a, give it a shot, you know, and I feel like that's also just, like, conversations you have with your coach, like, part of, it's partly personality, like, are you someone who's willing to, like, explore that and like if if it doesn't go well and you fail like are you going to be able to live with that like which I know I can live with that like I've done that before and I'm like it is what it is but yeah so there's just like a variety of ways that you have to kind of approach that decision and at the end of the day it's like I'm not going to be doing this for like forever and I'm kind of like willing to give myself the best shot at doing something really special um and maybe I don't quite do it but like if I if I do like it's gonna be really great so um yeah well I mean it's not your first rodeo it's like if it is your first rodeo you're not gonna do something crazy most of the time you know you're just gonna go there race whatever get eighth um but if you've done that so many times it's like you like you said you have to weigh out it's like would you rather get eighth again or would you rather are like are you going to be satisfied with eighth or are you going to be satisfied if you try to go for a medal and you end up 12th like yeah i don't no, know which exactly. one's more rewarding at that point i i think it is the second one because it's like eighth yeah. gets boring yeah no that's exactly what it is and that's like again that comes back to like i think that there's like playing it safe and i do think that there's a time and a place for that um but i'm probably beyond that at this point um it makes yeah. it more exciting <laughs> it is and like I'm not gonna say I'm a gambler but like why not <laughs> I'm a little bit like, I am a, like I'm gonna bet on myself so yeah I'll go for it yeah, yeah. I'm excited to watch now, now definitely especially now knowing <laughs> that that's your mentality I'm excited to watch so yeah I mean and I love to push myself to like I guess it it comes back to that what you're telling yourself in your head and like I do I do like tell myself, you know, like I'm capable and stuff. So, um, you know, maybe the times don't show it or maybe like there isn't, maybe I have no business sometimes thinking that, but like, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna try. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, if you don't believe in yourself like that, who else will? No one. So, and no yeah. one can go out there and run it for you. So you have to do it to yourself. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. That's like the whole name of the game, honestly. I guess that's just, you just keep, keep doing that for like a really long time and you might end up like making the Olympics. 
I don't know. I think that's what it is. Like truly, it's just like years and years of gaslighting and racing. And like that's you just end up being really good. It's true. Like, because you gotta have the mental part down. <laughs> the physical part is the easy part, I think, for most of the time. Like, obviously it's physically painful for that time, mm-hmm. whatever, when you're working out and racing and stuff, but like the mental stuff is what really needs the work. It's nagging too. And it's just always there. And you can like live with it and learn how to like strengthen it and use it to your advantage or you can it can you know be your biggest downfall so anyway yeah it's a gigantic component I agree I think that like if you're someone who trains hard and like has a good coach and goes to practice and goes through those motions like that part I'm not saying it's easy but it's definitely the part that's like more doable where it's structured it's not like the mental stuff is un like there's so many variables no one knows what's going on up there (laughs) (laughs) it's completely personal and only you know if it's good or bad so um yeah I feel like that's I find often just being like be nice to yourself like don't don't be hard on yourself like I don't know as a runner I feel like that's like so important just like what are you telling yourself all day? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you work with the sports psych at all or no? I don't. I did a little bit in college. Um, but in recent years, I haven't really. Like, we have resources for that, which is awesome. But, um, yeah. I mean, Not it's really. nice if you don't have to. Obviously, if you can do it yourself, that's perfect. But yeah. it's nice that you also have resources just in case. Absolutely. I mean... I'm not by any means saying that my mom is a sports psych, but she was a competitive trap shooter growing up. And if I'm talking more about like mentality towards actual, not like actual life stuff, but like the mentality of like competition, my mom is so good at that stuff. Um, And she always has been like, since I was in high school, she was always so good about being like, let's think like, do you want to have a mantra? And I was always like, what are the heck? Like, what is that? (laughs) I remember even in like seventh or eighth grade, her just being like, you need to think of something that makes you feel calm before you like walk out onto the track. And like, I do all of that stuff. Like I talk to myself, I have the same conversation with myself before every race. Like when I'm out there doing my strides, when I'm lining up, I'm saying the same thing, like cues, all that. And that's like unstructured. It's not like I learned that through a sports psych, but my mom did. And she shared some of that with me and um, it's super helpful. That's a nice foundation to have in your youth too, because I feel like it's easier to like build a routine, like of being a like way less anxious before races when you're mm-hmm. younger. It's yeah. hard. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible to combat that when you're older, but it's I feel like it would be much harder because there's just more going on up there as you get older. Yeah, yeah. and you once you get in habits, it's um, it's really difficult to shake that. So. Anyway, I didn't appreciate it as much as a kid. Um, I always was like, what's mom even talking about? But now I'm like, <laughs> wow, she was like really onto something. And yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah. Shout out to your mom. Sounds like a great woman. <laughs> oh, Shana. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time because this has been a great episode. Also, I feel like we've talked a lot about, oh, whoa, well, <laughs> I can't <laughs> A lot about a lot of different things. Um, yes. Which is good. Yes. I feel like we didn't even... I always write... I write things down and I never cover any of them because I just go off on tangents. Mm-hmm. But that's how that's what makes it fun, you know? Yeah. It's um, casual. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's a conversation. So, yeah. Um. Okay. Well, the last question I have for you is 
I want you to give some advice to your future self. Oh, um, gosh. Oh, let me think about that. <laughs> Cause like my mind immediately goes to like when I'm finished with my running career. Um, and I feel like obviously being in a place right now where like I'm doing the thing that I've wanted to do since I was a kid I have moments of thinking like am I ever gonna love doing something as much as I love what I'm doing right now and just I don't know whether that works out or not I feel like I always will have had this and like it doesn't go away just because it's over I'm literally just saying this like I don't know what I'm about to say <laughs> I don't know just I guess my future self whether I know exactly what I'm doing or not, like I'm still, I still have done a good job and I'm going to do a good job and I'm a hard worker. So, um, I guess just don't, don't worry too much. It's all going to work out. Yeah. Do you have, and do you have any idea of what you would want to do after? I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. I have literally no idea. Um, and like, I don't like, I like try to not think about it too much. Cause I'm like, it's going to be okay. Like, well, I, yeah, I don't think you have to, because it's like, obviously you're doing what you said, exactly what you wanted to do since you were a kid. So I feel like that's even better because then you're just really taking it all in rather than always thinking about the next step. Because I think a lot of people have that issue, including me, where it's like, what's next? What's next? Like when I was in high school, yeah. it was like college. And then when I was in college, I was like, what am I doing after? So it's nice. I don't know. It's kind of refreshing, I feel like, or it has to be for you to like, just really appreciate it in the time that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And like everything in life, you know, like there's always the comparison game and like trying to not do that just because someone else has like it all figured out. It's like, that's okay. Like I'll get there. Like I'll find other things that speak to me and I care about other things. So it's not like I like have to be, you know, in like immersed in the running world and maybe I will be, maybe I will be like, I have no idea. So yeah, just like knowing, okay, like I, again, like I work hard, like I put my full self into whatever it is that I'm doing. So I'm sure that I'll find something that like feels worth it. Um, but I feel like, yeah, if I was talking to my future self, it's just like, it's all going to be good. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And you also don't have to be like the best in the world at it. Like you can just like be good and that's okay. Yeah. I will say being like, I don't know if you're if you're like a top level athlete I feel like being mediocre or anything it's not that fun but yeah or it's just like hard to like come to terms with which is like being like normal you know yeah but like you said it's like you always have the yeah it doesn't go experience. away yeah it doesn't go away it's still part of you and part of your being and honestly that will be more relaxing I think yeah, I think, I mean, I obviously am not an elite athlete anymore. And I will say it's a lot more relaxing. I think my body, like my cortisol levels are um, much lower now, which is yeah. nice. There's a lot to look forward to there. So yeah, just finding the the upside. Yeah. So anyway, well, I don't have to think about that for a while, probably. So you're fine. Yeah, no, it's true. And but admittedly, I don't think about it that much, which I think is good. But it's good. Someone asks me like your future self. I'm like, who is that person? Like, I don't really know. <laughs> don't have to worry about it. Just enjoy living in the moment for now. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, where can people follow you at to follow along your journey to USA's, hopefully beyond? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Corey McGee Runs. Are you a, are you a big tweeter? I once was, but not anymore. Hmm. I think I, like, I think you might be the only pro runner that everyone says that they have a Twitter, but then they say that they never post on it. I 
I do. I now I just mostly retweet, but I love Twitter. Like if I'm on my phone scrolling, I'm on Twitter. Like I just what's like what does your Twitter feed consist of? It's always well, actually it's funny because there's like the no context track thing now, but I just follow a bunch of like no context tweeter like tweets. Mm-hmm. They're always like no context internet, like stuff that's just stupid that I just think is funny. And then I mean, some like sports science stuff um that I go down like those are the rabbit holes for me and then Florida Gator stuff (laughs) pretty standard I feel like you could tell a lot about a person from what their Twitter feed looks like yeah yeah mine is um it's pretty clean it's pretty standard yeah yeah I do love Twitter though I'm also I don't I don't tweet that often either but I think some of like the most like clever things come from Twitter I think people are really good I mean, Twitter fingers, it's true. Like, people are really witty on there. I love it. Absolutely. That's where I get my best laughs. Yeah, no, yeah, truly. I am chuckling. <laughs> like, TikTok might be a close second, but there's just something about Twitter, like... Yeah. Oh, it gets yeah. me. It gets me, too. It really gets me. So, I follow Elon Musk, you know. Uh, he always makes me a little nervous. But... Yeah, it's like you never know what's going to be on there. <laughs> yeah, but... No, it's good stuff. So I'm on I'm on Twitter, not as active as I used to be. And then Instagram is usually where I post every day. So Sweet. sounds good. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on again. I, I really enjoyed this episode. So I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to close out. Can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace out, fellas. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Combos Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. Love talking to Corey. She's super cool and down to earth. And I'm really excited to go watch her at USA's. It's going to be a phenomenal race. And then I even get to go to Worlds. So I'm excited to watch hopefully her there or some of my other friends. We'll see. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Combos Over Cold Brew Pod if you want to be up to date on the latest episodes and submit listener questions. Leave a review um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. Uh, it means the world to me. And I love reading your guys' reviews. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you all next week. Peace out, fellas. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.